The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Hey there, one more time. Did you think that we were going to let the end of the year come and go without being back once more? Of course not. It is the Big Fight Weekend preview podcast. I am the somewhat capable host. He is our insider, our content partner, Fight Freaks Unite Substack, BigFightWeekend.com. Hello and Happy New Year, Dan Rayfield. As we get ready for one significant fight card, it's in Japan that's left for 2022, and then we flip the calendar to 2023. I know you're doing all right, but just before I push the record button, Brother Rayfield ain't thrilled right now uh, for a couple of reasons. We're going to get into that. Uh, we've got the latest on Gervonta Davis, his arrest earlier this week. Is he still headlining this pay-per-view for Showtime PBC next weekend in the new year, January 7th? And again, a preview of uh, Ioka and Franco for uh, those uh, Bantamweight championships, junior Bantamweight championships. Do I have all this straight in Japan? Junior Bantamweight unified title fight Saturday morning U.S. time in Japan. It is uh, the last significant fight of the year, and I'm interested in that. Uh, good Lord, it's going to be such a long day for New Year's Day as it is. We might as well start early uh, with right. that fight card for sure. Dan Rayfield, how you feeling? Good to be back with you one more time this year. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, we we uh, I I feel off kilter, off schedule because this is the first time I think <laughs> since we've been doing the podcast that we only did one this week with this one because we skipped over, of course, the uh, that's right, the one around the Christmas uh, Christmas Day. But I'm happy to be on. I'm happy to be doing it. Looking forward to. Uh, I guess I'm looking forward to the new year of boxing, but as much as I ripped how shitty the fourth quarter of 2022 was, generally speaking, the first quarter of 2023 sucks also so far. Yeah, we got some problems. We got some issues. Let's say a couple things at the outset. First of all, thank you for finding us. However you did so, Dan Substack, social media link, bigfightweekend.com. Uh, make sure you're following or subscribing. Typically, we're here to preview the weekend. It's out by Friday morning, Friday midday. Then we're back with a recap podcast off the weekend, usually out Monday, Monday midday. That will be the case again in the new year here. Dan and I will find a way to get the recap podcast taped, et cetera. Stand by uh, for that. We're looking forward to that uh, here off the weekend. Uh, again, you'll get some kind of an alert, right, Dan? They'll get they'll get what? What will they get if they're the following or subscribing? Time, 2022. They'll get a bell, a ding, a banner, a vibration, something, a light, something, something that tells you new Rayfield, new new comments, new insight, new takes, new breaking news, all of it. We love it on the Big Fight Weekend Preview and, again, the Fight Freaks Unite Recap Podcast. And plus, if we've got special interviews, special stuff we're doing, you don't have to be notified any other way if you're following and subscribing. So make sure that you're doing that. Rate us and review us as well on Apple Podcasts. That will help others find us. And the podcast has continued to grow. Uh, you're talking about crappy fourth quarter. Um, and you're not talking about my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you're talking about crappy fourth quarter of fights. We grew and grew November, December podcast audience and continue to grow. So thank you. But rate us and review us. That helps us as well. Very good. No doubt about it. And also, I mean, we're not going to do it today. We'll wait till the calendar flips. But next week, when we're, whenever we're doing our next one, we will set up officially our next giveaway. We got a giveaway if you're rating us and reviewing us. We're bribing you, and it's worked in the past, and you guys have done great. Uh, so we're looking forward to, and it's a it's a cool item. Dan and I have talked about the item. You haven't picked out the specific version of the item of which you have many, but I'm just tell I'm, I'm wetting the appetite of the audience. I'm just telling you this is a neat item, one of a bunch of different items that are like it, and you'll pick something out, and it will be relevant, and it will I make much more sense. I've been putting around the house the last several days. My wife and my son are away at uh, 
uh, at my uh, in-laws uh, for the week. And I spent like a good hour the other night uh, in my poster room, in my lair, mm. uh, organizing some things. But I was digging around and I found some was I didn't tell you about this, but well, when we're done taping, I'll let you know, finding some of these items that I was digging up that we'll use for some of this giveaway. Future trinkets, future things that you have in the Rayfield collection. The man is unbelievable. And again, if you follow him on social media or his Substack, he starts revealing what he has from ticket stubs to fight posters to room key cards. Uh, amazing. All the stuff that you have. And I look Bro, forward to, I look forward it. later in my career to curating the Rayfield Museum if you'll uh, allow me to have employment, if uh, if that does all come to it. Uh, we look forward to that. Um, by the way, all right, so we got some grievances. You know, usually it's back to Seinfeld in the 90s. And again, I realize I'm talking over the head of the, uh, what is it, Gen Zers, the, uh, the millennials. They don't know about the 90s. They don't know about the 90s. But Seinfeld was phenomenal for so many reasons, including George's parents, Mr. Costanza, and Festivus and the airing of grievances. We got grievances right now. I know right now you want to put Southwest Airlines in particular on blast, along with uh, tens of thousands, if not by now, hundreds of thousands of stranded or screwed up travelers that, that Southwest going on now like a eight day nightmare going back to late last week and into this week. Uh, tens of thousands of flights canceled. Let me say again, tens of thousands by that airline. And they keep saying their CEO admitted this. They're not going to be back on track until at least the middle of next week. Oh, I thought I had read that or it was later. I read this weekend, but even still, they're not. They're not going to be back on track with normal schedule. He said. I know this has nothing to do with boxing, right? And I think most people, but, at least adults, they understand that in the cases of severe weather, yeah, of course the airlines are going to be messed up for a couple of days, whatever. Because, you know, better safe than sorry. You can't fly if there's terrible weather. You got to get sure. the plane to the right spot. I think every intelligent person understands that. Myself, having flown hundreds of thousands of miles uh, covering boxing matches all around uh, over the last 20 plus years, I understand about travel delays. I'm a very chill person. When flights are delayed, what the fuck can you do? I go get a drink. I sit and read my phone. I look <laughs> at the game on TV. I hang out. I call home, whatever. I, I literally... I no longer am I moved to emotion when there's a problem at the airport because as long as I haven't crashed, it's all good. Right. The difference, though, is that in the case of this situation with Southwest, and I'll tell you why I'm so pissed off about it, because it's more than just bad weather. The weather is fine now most places in terms of travel mm -hmm. is that they are, while the other airlines were able to get their shit together in like, you know, two days, uh, like you said, Southwest is now going on a week and it's still an absolute disaster because they don't know what the heck they're doing. Uh, and so my personal grievance is, as I said to you, my wife and son have flown to uh, San Diego to visit uh, my in-laws uh, for the Christmas week. My son is on school vacation and they were supposed to be home on New Year's Eve. My wife and I have spent New Year's Eve together every single year since 1993, I think it is, or 1994. And so they won't be home until the next day because their flight was canceled several days ago. That's they how hope, they hope they're getting back. And I hope well, for you. They're not going to be home on New Year's Eve, which is the point. So that pisses me off, and it's 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 not um, it's not necessary if they were on any other airline. Uh, like I have been for many years, a slave to American Airlines because that's where I have like a million airline miles and have flown for a long, long time. Uh, I've never really flown Southwest. Maybe two, three times in my life. I hate Southwest. You know, they 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 elected to go on Southwest because it was a 
solid schedule and uh, they're paying the price for it. Okay. So in my world, I have flown Southwest a ton. I am a patron. I have a ton of rapid rewards on that airline. I have vouched for them for a long time. I don't have any specific family members that have been caught up in this, but my friend, I have heard horror story after horror story of friends and other relatives who have gone through this now for the last few days. Uh, we have seen the mayhem in Tampa, but I'm not just talking about Tampa. We're talking about Dallas. We're talking about Phoenix. We're talking about Houston. We're talking about all over the place where there are Southwest hubs of, of nightmare of people stuck where they are, and they don't really have an alternative because they don't have the money necessarily to cancel. they got to find another flight if they do cancel and pay for it. And they're so far away to start driving a car that in some in some cases you're talking about two days or more in a car Listen, plus hotel. Like, it's crazy. They canceled like every Southwest flight in Southern California for days, is what my wife. And so saying. and so here's a couple of things that people should know about this, and this is why this is important. I realize we have listeners that are outside the United States, but if you're listening to us inside the United States, let's call it. Let's let's name names. Southwest Airlines got seven billion dollars of bailout money during the COVID-19 2020 year. Seven billion of our tax money, all of us to help keep them afloat. Part of that should have at least gone to modernizing and upgrading what they're complaining about right now is their system is what is delayed things, their system on being able to get pilots, flight attendants, flights all congregated and together. I realize bad weather happens. I realize pilots and flight attendants have holiday pay, holiday time. There's less of them. One of the dirty little secrets, two of the dirty little secrets, one of the dirty little secrets is a lot of these airlines have reduced the number of flights post-COVID-19. All right, so that's nightmare number one. When trouble starts, you got far fewer flights. Here's another thing, and I'm not going down the rabbit hole about uh, the vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine, but tons of pilots and flight attendants retired or resigned at around the same time a year ago. That's a year ago. So they had to rehire or find other people and find a way to hire more pilots and flight attendants. I'm talking about across all airlines. Apparently, the other airlines did a better job than Southwest of having the appropriate number of pilots and flight attendants ready to go because to this the point, is, brother Ray, this Field, is why I need to win the lottery so I can just have buy an airplane, own airplane. Like I may be doing just fine financially, right? I would never consider. I mean, however much money I may have, I'm doing okay. Yeah. I would never consider myself like truly rich. Let's say, right? Unless I could afford a private jet. To me, that would be the sign of right, right, right. Okay, but the other major airlines, American, as you referenced, Delta. Um, on and on down the list, United, uh, United, all of them. They don't have any kind of a nightmare like no, this. They were, they, they were have like one tenth yeah. Rayfield of the canceled flights. Let's, let's get on to boxing. Okay, Talk but but here's my here's my thing. This is our tax money that was used. So there's got to be some comeuppance here. There's got to be the government dealing with these guys because they used our money, and you've got this going on, and it is. I mean, you got people who haven't had their clothes for four or five days because they went to their location where they were supposed to be and they can't get there. And the Christmas gifts boxing, are there. Right. They smell worse than a boxing gym. Yeah. They smell worse than a boxing gym. This is true. And if they had a chance to put some gloves on and take on some Southwest employees, they might do it. That would be a pay-per-view. It's a mess. And let's hope 
let's hope it doesn't take till the middle of next week. But I mean, there's there's people that are still stranded are going to be stranded all weekend. So let's, let's see. Hope it gets home on Saturday or on Sunday. Yes, because there's people the stuck everywhere. There's still people stuck right now as we head to this weekend that have been stuck for days trying to figure out when can I get back. Listen, at least they at least have a night. You know, they just it's not you know all things considered, they just spend the extra day with my uh, with my in laws. That's good. No but you're a little bummed, but that's okay. Uh, but in, in this in this case, though, uh, I know this from a bunch of people. You spend a thousand dollars with Southwest to be able to try to get home. Do you have another thousand or fifteen hundred on no notice to pay for another ticket on another airline? A lot of people don't have that, especially if you have a family of three, family of four. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, and hopefully it gets resolved. And so again, it's 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 hitting home here. All right, let's get into the boxing. Uh, Gervonta Davis. Let's go because the latest is another arrest. For domestic violence charges in Miami, less than two weeks from his scheduled pay-per-view main event against Hector Garcia in Washington, D.C., in your neck of the woods, taken into custody Tuesday in Miami. You've written about this, and the latest now for the audience, and you've written about this as of Thursday, is that apparently the pay-per-view will still happen here with Davis denying that he struck the woman. Dan, pick it up from here with the latest. Well, it's like you said. He denies that it happened. Uh the police report, which is obviously taken from the perspective of the so-called, you know, the alleged victim, the woman who in the police report is identified as the mother of one of his daughters. And and then, uh, you know, and as you know, as I quoted in the in the story that I wrote from directly from the police report, which I have a copy of, is that uh, the paraphrase, he struck her and gave her an abrasion like on her face, lip area. And she was then able to leave that 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 exact spot where they were, where this incident occurred. And she went and she called 911, picking it up from there. Uh, TMZ has a uh, audio of the, of the 911 call where she calls and the operator is trying to calm her down and get a particular uh, location where she is so they can send police to uh, assist her. And she is very much under duress and basically saying he wants to kill me. And it's just, it sounds obviously very bad. Now that taken into account, I know what it sounded like. I know what the police report said, but the police and the courts, they did only charge uh, Davis with a misdemeanor. So it didn't rise to the level of something more serious, which would be a felony. Um, he was freed on $1,000 bail because it's a misdemeanor. So there's not a high bail amount. He is free to travel to Washington, D.C. to do the fight. Um, you know, he's on his own recognizance. He'll you know just have to appear whenever his uh, next court date is uh, is determined, which has not been determined at the moment. And so he is apparently going to they're going to go forward with the fight. I'm not surprised. Um, I, I am under the impression from different people that I have talked to associated with the event that even if the decision was made for whatever reason that the fight wouldn't take place, they would still go through with the remainder of the card, which would be the Jaron Ennis fight, Rashidi Ellis fight and the Demetrius Andre return, as well as the remainder of the undercard. And they would probably move those. They would not have those on pay-per-view. Obviously, they would just flip the pay-per-view minus Gervonta Davis's fight against Hector Luis Garcia and put the remainder of those uh, bouts on regular Showtime as a championship boxing event. Remember, Showtime already lost its other January event, uh, not because of a legal situation, but because uh, Charlo suffered uh, a broken hand in two places and forced the postponement of his undisputed junior middleweight title defense against Tim Zhu to be delayed for, you know, it's going to be at least, I guess, at least three or four months because of the injury. So they don't have a big show in January. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that even if the worst thing happened in terms of the main event being called off, which I don't think it will be, they would still most likely be a boxing event that night, which uh, 
uh, is good from, you know, just because Javante Davis may have had a, a particular situation that hasn't been some hot water, it would really be unfortunate if it, if that was allowed to affect all the other people that are have nothing with his life or his issues, all the other boxers on the card from the four rounders all the way up to the co-feature, all the other people associated with the event, whether it's a vendor at the arena, a person that bought a ticket that's looking forward to a night out, uh, the folks that are running restaurants and Ubers and things around the, you know, the downtown Washington area where there's going to be a lot. Listen, this is a big arena. This is a major league arena. This is where the new, the, uh, the NBA team plays and the, NHL team plays and all that. Um, and there's a lot of businesses around there. And this is going to be, from all accounts, a big-time crowd if Davis fights. You know, a 20,000-seat-type crowd. He's a big draw locally. He comes from Baltimore only an hour away. It's going to be a big night. Um, and uh, the the crime that he is accused of, uh, don't get me wrong, I don't in any way condone any type of uh, domestic violence. But it doesn't sound like it rose to the level from the court's point of view to have charged him with a misdemeanor that it should force the event to be canceled. All right. So let's get into this. Let's get into this. Uh, You know where I'm coming down because you and I have talked about this off the air uh, here. Uh, How many more times are we going to hear about this and deal with this? And I realize, look, be specific, though, TJ, be specific. All right, I'm about to be. I realize we're not dealing a lot of times with choir boys that are in trouble with the law over and over again in this sport, and you have to deal with that. And but it's how not, many... just, not just boxing. It's football, baseball. Well, agreed. But foot, but in football and baseball and other sports, they have a bargaining agreement and they have a system in place to punish people, and, and that goes on. In boxing, it's willy-nilly, and it's make it up as you go along, and sometimes people get suspended, and sometimes they're allowed to operate and do whatever they want. All right, so I'm going to be specific. This guy's gotten arrested over and over again for an assault case in Virginia. He got arrested. He paid and made it go away. That was, what, about three years ago. He got arrested again for striking another woman, domestic violence, right before the Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the 49ers Super Bowl in Miami. I believe it was the Saturday night before the Super Bowl. That's on video. I don't know. Help clarify it for me how that ever got resolved. I don't know what it was. The prosecutor's declined to prosecute it it was ended about three weeks ago all right so it's amazing that nothing ever came of that when he's on video doing what he did we have another case which you've well talked about that is a hit and run case with multiple people injured where he's at the wheel left the scene those are felony charges in baltimore they're not felony charges there are some of them are misdemeanor charges. well but some of them are felony charges there's, i don't know that for sure maybe i have, I have it, to go back yeah go, go back and look at there's there's felony hit and run charges that are in there Listen, because there's don't not sitting here making excuses for Javante Davis okay. by no means, but we have another arrest. Sean Watson is accused of the. Uh, I understand assault. that, and I agree. And I agree with you. He should not be playing every Sunday. He should not be playing either, and uh, he served a year suspension. But I don't believe he should be playing either. But hey, I don't get to make that call, and I work for another NFL team. So, all right. But in any event, in any event, to me, right now, Showtime could send a message, which is enough of this. enough of another domestic violence charge enough of this for right now clean up your act or you don't get to headline for us um for example you and i both deal with steven espinoza and i love him he's all the way up at the top he's been very good to me showtime's people been very good to me this isn't about that this is about sending the right message as far as i'm concerned that if he's going to continue to screw up apparently the only way to get through to him is you're not going to headline for us you're not going to get paid if you keep doing this kind of stuff 
So that's where I come down on this. I would have loved to have seen them be proactive. I know you're going to now tell me the financial reasons why they're going to follow through, and I get that. But I would have loved for them to have been proactive, that enough is enough on how many more times are you going to get arrested and embarrass everybody that's involved? Go ahead. I don't disagree with the 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 idea of that. I get that. And I'm 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 I don't I don't think anything that that has been done in this situation that he's been accused of either in this case or in the hit or on or in the incident that occurred uh, in the, in the, in the previous uh, domestic uh, case, the reality though, he hasn't been convicted of anything. That's number one. Again, I'm not making excuses for him. And again, because it's a misdemeanor, I'm not sure it rises to the level that it should produce a cancellation. In other words, the, the punishment has to fit the crime and Again, I don't condone any of that type of activity from him, but the level of what he's accused of, again, is a misdemeanor, which means it's less serious than lots of other crimes, that it's not something that is absolutely, you know. But let's be clear, and you said it, he's accused of striking her in the face, and that's what's in the police report. He struck her on the lip, he struck her on the face. If you want, you know what, I'm going to read to you exactly what it says in the police report, verbatim. Go ahead. So people pick up their own mind about what they think about what he is accused of. This is from the uh, 17th Judicial Circuit of Florida Broward County Courthouse. This is the police incident report that was submitted to them that was used, you know, in their in their uh, bail hearing or just to let the the court know what what the what is being presented to them. The and it's very short in terms of the, 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 the written words of what it says. On January, on uh, December 27th, at or about uh, 3.25 in the afternoon, they say 13.25, and it gives the address of where this occurred in Broward County in the state of Florida. The listed defendant, Gervonta Davis, did actually and intentionally touch and strike the listed victim, whose name is redacted, against her will, and it did intentionally cause bodily harm to her. Gervonta Davis and the victim do not intentionally, uh, let me rephrase that Gervonta Davis and the victim do not live together. However, they do have a female child together. Gervonta Davis struck again, redacted on the right side of her head with a closed hand type, mm-hmm. slap. closed hand type slap. This strike caused a small abrasion to the inside of her upper lip on the right side of her mouth. She was able to exit the home where she called 911. And then if you desire, you can pick up the 911 call by listening to the 911 call that TMZ posted on its uh on its twitter feed so again i'm not making excuses for javante davis but clearly there was some type of incident that occurred between him and the woman who is the mother of the daughter uh the question you have to ask yourself is does does that incident that is classified by uh the court and the police as a misdemeanor rise to the level that that event should be canceled or that his fight should be canceled. If they cancel his fight, I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. I would be hopeful that they would still go forward and, like I mentioned, have the remainder of the card. Because to me, the the the, the sin of the whole thing, uh, in terms of the cancellation, would be to have Gervonta Davis's legal issues prevent all the other people that are associated with this event from making their living, from Demetrius Andre being able to have his first fight in over a year, from having Rashidi Ellis get back in action, from having Jerron Ennis, who only had one fight last year, one of the best young fighters in boxing, not be able to have a fight where he has a chance to win an interim title for 20,000 fans who are planning to attend an event in Washington, D.C., for a first-class arena that booked this event, from all the vendors and the people that are making money and making a living associated with this event, people that park cars, people that drive Ubers, people that serve food, 
you know, my buddy Jay, who produced the program that I wrote half of, all that kind of stuff. You know, even us, if we're going to get a few dollars on a sponsorship from people, <laughs> right. and you know, just I'm, I'm being honest, I'm keeping it right. real. All of those people rely on the the economic uh, motor of the pay per view event or of the event in general. And should him being a knucklehead and doing something that the police classified as a misdemeanor is that, it, and he hasn't been convicted. If he was convicted, different story, be enough to force the cancellation of the event. I'm torn on it, to be honest with you. I'm not saying it should happen, but I'm also not convinced that it shouldn't happen. All right. And I'm not torn on it. They should do the right thing. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I see Steven Espinoza tweeting about idiocy that's going on in government and different things that we're doing and hypocrisy and different stuff. And now I shake my head. I shake my head watching this saying, you can go on with the card and put it on Showtime and send a message. And we go back to professional sports. Again, Deshaun Watson suffered an 11-game suspension this year, and basically the Houston Texans were keeping him sidelined like a suspension for all of last year, a two-year suspension. Now, different argument. This is the Cleveland Browns quarterback in the NFL who we're talking about. Different argument is he got a ton of money. He used part of that money to pay off his civil judgments. It's it's comical and, what way, went on here in another sport. I agree. I agree. Sure track was structured they they took into account the likelihood he was going to be suspended so right. that first contract was worth like yes. a tiny little of the rest of the deal to help pay off the victims yeah so uh in any event uh, the me, fights... that's, that's way again i'm not into like what about ism and all that but just if you want to compare the two cases what deshaun watson is accused of and in, in my mind i have absolutely no doubt that he's guilty as a three dollar bill that is way worse what he did than than what then Javante Davis is accused of. But we still need to make mention there's the February trial in Baltimore, which we think is still going to go on unless there's a plea deal that's involving again hit and run and it's involving felony charges of leaving the scene with bodily injury. I'm looking well, at remember that from one the stories. Thing. Yes. His legal team and the prosecutors of that case in Baltimore for the hit and run, they reached a plea agreement. In other words, his defense and the prosecutors agreed this should be the punishment. The punishment, I believe, if off the top of my head, I believe it was supposed to be six months of home confinement and some kind of you know financial penalty, etc. They took it to the judge who was overseeing the case, and the judge rejected the court. You know, and mm-hmm. that's not a common thing. When prosecutors and defense attorneys reach a plea agreement, my experience is most of the time the court accepts the plea agreement. For whatever reason, the court in this case declined the plea agreement because, and it was stated, there was no jail time there associated. There you go. So, the judge in that case felt like if there's going to be a plea deal, uh, and even if he's going to plead to a lesser charge, that whatever it was, whether it was a night in jail or three weeks or a month or six months, whatever it was, that there should be some element of incarceration. So now uh, they're going to trial. Whether they make another deal before that or not, it remains to be seen. And listen, let's be honest. The reason why his fight was scheduled for January 7th was so he could get a fight in, make his money before he goes on trial where if the worst possible scenario occurred for him and he was convicted on all counts and was punished the maximum, he'd be serving 50 months, five, zero months in prison. Mm, yep. so, all right. You know, uh, that's a big deal. So it's like, listen, it, it's, I, I just, I'll put it like this. I just don't think that it's cut and dried that a hundred percent it should be off or absolutely should take place. I think there is a, a gray area where, where pe- reasonable people like you and me, have a difference of opinion i see your point i hope you see mine but i, I do, do think you can have differences of opinion doesn't mean either is right or wrong but it's just uh it's a difficult situation and i i i, I do not envy the position of 
of Steve Espinoza, of Tom Brown from TGB Promotions, of Al Heyman, of the people at the arena. And let me say one other thing, by the way. The Washington, D.C. Uh, Boxing and Wrestling Commission has not had any issue, to my knowledge, about licensing Javante Davis to fight in the fight. Now, in other states, when things like this come up, it is well within their purview to not license a boxer. I mean, I'll give you one example, and this is just a famous example, even right. though it was many years ago. I was there present at the news conference, or the news conference that never happened, in New York City on the day they were supposed to announce the Bega fight between Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis. And they were introduced on stage, and they wound up in a scuffle, and it was a big meltdown, and and, and Tyson ended up biting Lennox Lewis on the leg, and there was a scrap, and it was a whole big to-do. Uh, Jose Suleiman got knocked unconscious, the elder. He was knocked during, yes. that, during that whole melee. Yes, because he was up on I stage. Still remember Mike Tyson's manager, Shelly Finkel, trying to leave the hotel and a bunch of the reporters that were there basically chasing after him, cornering him and being like, you cannot leave. You better answer some fucking questions. And, you know, Shelly's, uh, you know, he 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 knew he, he knew he had no choice. He wasn't going to get past like nine reporters. He he stopped and he answered questions. Uh, but the point is, when that incident occurred, the Nevada State Athletic Commission at that point, remember that fight was the press conference was in New York City. The fight was supposed to be in in uh, in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Because of that incident, it wasn't like he was arrested for anything or in the jail or accused of a crime in terms of, you know, the cops came or anything like that. He wasn't facing a court case. Uh, but the Nevada Commission, uh, for the only time maybe in its life, found a little bit of morality and decided not to license him for that fight. And so it was delayed and ultimately it ended up months later in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, I'm just making the point that the commission in Washington, D.C. would have every right to not license him. And they have chosen not to take that into account. So as far as the local authorities in D.C., as far as letting this event take place, they're perfectly OK with Gervonta Davis being licensed to box. You know, the, the court one thing I would box. say in response to that is they have a financial interest to let it go forward. He's not been convicted, like you pointed out. We both live in the real world. The commission's not, the commission makes they're not going to get rich off of an event like this. But I mean, they, they know, a, but they, they know this is good for business and he's not sure. been convicted. And that's part of their out. So let's see if we can get to next weekend and Gervonta Davis meeting with the media and how all this goes. Let's see what happens. But for now, the fight is on. So there's the very latest. Keep reading, Dan. Keep reading BigFightWeekend.com, his Substack. We'll see what the latest is. For now, it's on. It'll be very interesting. Like, you know, he's supposed to have the big fight with uh, uh, Ryan Garcia down the road in April. But, and this has nothing to do with the, the, the court case that he's involved with. Before this ever came up, you and I both agreed that the fact that they selected uh, Hector Luis Garcia as his opponent, we felt like that's a little bit of a tougher fight than we would have thought he would take ahead of the big mega fight. So you take on a, a solid opponent like Garcia, who's coming off a big 2022 with two big upsets, winning a world title, filled with confidence, great amateur background. And now you have a Gervonta Davis that perhaps will be slightly distracted, got a lot of shit going on in his life. Uh, you know, you never know what happens on fight night. You know, wouldn't up. I mean, we'll get into it when we make our official picks uh, before the fight, assuming that it still happens. But I got to tell you, I, I thought an upset was possible before all this shit happened. Now that you have uh, him that is clearly maybe going to be distracted by all the shit that's swirling around him outside the ring, uh, it makes the the prospect of the upset even more uh, possible in my mind. We'll have to wait and see what his disposition is when he does come and speak to the press. If he's standoffish, if he 
uh, you know, is willing to talk about it or answer questions or, you know, not lose his temper, that type of thing. You'll be able to see, I think, a lot in, in the way he carries himself emotionally and, and from the body language and, and, and the way he answers uh, questions from reporters. We continue with the conversation on the podcast in a moment. First, a moment for our friends at BetUS. Whether we're getting to the end of the year here for the fights, or whether we're getting to the end of the NFL season, the college football bowl season, college basketball that started up, the NBA that's going on, the National Hockey League, use our friends at BetUS. If you're looking to wager, they've got a fantastic offer just from us here on the podcast. First-time subscribers and sign-ups get a 125% match bonus. That means deposit $100, bucks, you have got an extra $125 to gamble. $200 bucks in, an extra $250 to gamble from them for first-time sign-ups. Again, whether it's the fights, I know that we've come to the kind of the end of the year here in 2022, but when Gervonta Davis's pay-per-view is underway, you want to gamble on those fights or uh, later on in the month when uh, Jermel Charlo fights Tim Zhu for the undisputed junior middleweight title. Gamble on the fights, U.S., worldwide, etc., uh, whatever you want to do. Or the NFL as it winds down, the college football bowls, the college football playoff, any of that stuff with BetUS. And remember our promo code BFW22. That's going to get you that match bonus, BFW22 for Big Fight Weekend. 125% match bonus awaits the limit on that, by the way, is $2,500 down on the initial deposit. If you're a first-time sign-up, you can deposit up to $2,500. They will match it with a 125% match. Use our promo code BFW22. We'll get credit for that. It will help us out as well. Again, they've been America's favorite sports book for three decades. It's where the games begin. It is BetUS. Whether you're gambling on the boxing, the football, the basketball, whatever it is, use our promo code BFW22. 125% match bonus awaits with BetUS. All right, we'll find that out soon enough. I promise we've got one uh, big-time fight card to get to. That is uh, the one in Japan, Saturday morning U.S. time, Saturday night New Year's Eve in, uh, in Japan for Ioka and Franco. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Any other news items? You mentioned Charlo, the fight off for now with Zoo. Any other news items for this week that you want to go over a couple of them real quick uh, before we move along and get to fight preview time? Sure, there's a couple fights to talk about that are not uh, that are that are on the calendar now that weren't last we spoke. One is official, and that is uh, a fight on February. We knew the fight was coming. That's not a surprise. It's just now been a, a formally situated in terms of the location and the date. It will be February 11th at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, one of my favorite cities in the country. It will be the vacant WBC Junior Lightweight Title headlining on Showtime. It will be the number one contender, Oshaki Foster taking on the WBC's featherweight champion, Ray Vargas, who was moving up in weight uh, to fill the vacancy that was left when Shakur Stevenson missed weight uh, and had uh, the title and the WBO title stripped from him. This was a fight that um, was was ordered at the convention. You know, Foster was the mandatory, and Vargas made the application when he didn't get the, the ability to do the Leo Santa Cruz fight, uh, applied to to challenge for the the vacant title and they approved it. And so this fight was made and now it has a date and a location that will headline. Like I said, it will headline the showtime card at the Alamo dome and the other event. Again, it will probably be announced sometime next week. Perhaps they'll wait till just after the first of the year, but the uh, first matchroom card of 2023, at least the first matchroom card in the United States, I think it'll be their first card uh, overall, even in including uh, the UK. Anyway, February the 4th at the Hulu theater 
in Madison Square Garden. I wrote about this in my Substack a little bit a few days ago. It's now been fleshed out a bit more. It will have two undisputed women's championship fights uh, atop the card. You'll have Amanda Serrano. She has uh, three of the featherweight women's titles. She will take on Erica Cruz in the main event uh, for the undisputed featherweight title. And then you'll have Alicia Baumgartner, who is now a three-belt champion, having uh, her own belt, then having defeated Michaela Mayer for her two belts. She will fight uh, a French fighter, uh, Elam Mekhalad. They Very will nice. Fight, they, will, yeah, they will fight for Alicia's three belts plus the vacant WBA belt. Uh, the, the champion of the WBA, which is the South Korean fighter Choi, uh, apparently has got some kind of injury, whatever the case may be. They put her in recess. The title was vacated. Uh, the French fighter is the number one challenger, so they will fight for the three titles as well as the vacant WBA. The winner, of course, will then become undisputed in that weight class. And then there's also some of the matchroom top prospects. They just signed Richardson Hitchens, uh, the uh, uh, New Yorker who fought on the Haitian Olympic team. Excellent prospect, good boxer. He'll be on the card. And then they have another fight that I think is actually – a pretty intriguing fight to me anyway. I'm very, it's the one I'm sort of most interested in. There, uh, Matchroom has an excellent fighter named Rashad Mahdi, who's from Staten Island, New York, um, a prospect undefeated. He's had some injury problems, but he seems to be healthy now. So he's in a junior welterweight fight against the uh, very exciting, always entertaining brawler, Cletus Selden, who's a big fan favorite from Long Island. That'll be another one of the fights on the card. So that's shaping up. That'll be a nice little show to kick off uh, the Matchroom uh, events in the United States. Uh, for 2023 and my understanding is that matchroom was a little light in terms of their united states action in 2022 but my understanding is they're looking to do about 10 events here in the united states uh during the course of 2023 that's not even that does not include of course all of the events that they will do in the uk and elsewhere so hopefully they can uh you know have a nice schedule a little bit more robust at least in the united states than it was last year i mean they did do some great fights they did the chocolatito against estrada three uh, they obviously were involved with the Bam Rodriguez fights. Another fight that they'll do, there's no date yet, is that he will fight, Bam will fight for the vacant uh, WBO title at flyweight. That'll probably be uh, April date in his hometown of San Antonio. Uh, and those types of shows will, will start to hit the calendar uh, you know, over the coming weeks. All good on that. Anything else of note or are we good? Are we good okay. to move on and start previewing? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to do that straight ahead. As Ioka and Franco battle in Japan, we're talking about that as the Big Fight Weekend Preview rolls on. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Back in one more time. Love the insight of Dan Rayfield and all the back and forth that we have had so far on this podcast. We love our content partner. Been a great year pairing up with you. We've got big things ahead in 2023. Stand by for that, not only with a Big Fight Weekend preview podcast, the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast, but also the site, bigfightweekend.com. Love all of this. Uh, all right, so we're going to get into this Ioka Franco main event, uh, unified uh, junior bantamweight title tilt in Japan Saturday morning of New Year's Eve, U.S. time Saturday night in Japan in a couple of moments. Uh, we've been negligent. Maybe I've been negligent. Uh, you talked Rocky last week, and you piqued a lot of people talking Rocky last week, and and we even uh, got some response on what's the best ending to Rocky or what's the best Rocky movie. Uh, you wanted to make mention of the fact that you were a part of Rocky Balboa, the sixth <laughs> one of them. However, you ended up on the cutting room floor, as they say in Hollywood. Deleted scene. Tell I me more. You spent all that time talking about the Rocky films, and I forgot 
that yes, I had a little part in Rocky sixth called Rocky Balboa when he fought uh Mason the Lion Dixon, played by Antonio Tarver. Tampa's uh, Antonio Tarver, very nice. Antonio yes. Tarver that had my good buddies uh Jim Lampley and Larry Merchant and Max Kellerman uh in the in the in that uh program as far as the mock pay-per-view doing their HBO gigs. They filmed a lot of stuff around of Rocky Balboa at the MGM in Las Vegas, which was set up for one of, I forget if it was the first fight or the second fight, but when Bernard Hopkins and Jermaine Taylor hooked up in their undisputed middleweight championship fight, they were using the arena for that. And they filmed some of the audience scenes prior to the, they did it actually had like a window. If my memory is correct, between the end of the undercard and the main event or the pay-per-view where they had uh, a few minutes to have Stallone come in and, and get the crowd reactions. And, you know, they uh, sort of directed the crowd of when to cheer and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they also filmed some other scenes because there was lots of media on hand. They filmed like a mock press conference with uh, many of me, my, you know, myself and other media members uh, and, and a weigh in and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I that I did do was I did a scene with uh, my good buddy, Brian Kenny, who was still at ESPN, who I had done tons and tons of uh, sports center uh, assignments with over the years and was a regular on his uh, afternoon show that used to be on ESPN News, etc. So we were told to do like talk about the fight, like as if we were actually just like covering it, like we would cover one of our sports center hits. They trusted us to sort of ad lib the way we would talk about if we were previewing the Hopkins and Taylor fight, which is why we were there. So we filmed this scene a couple of times, as a matter of fact, and I was excited. I have like in my collection of all my boxing shit, I've got my, my uh, Rocky Balboa Mason. Well, it's, it's Rocky versus Mason, the line Dixon. I've got my credential that, you know, the prop from the, the movie. look official, right? Right. Uh, and anyway, so now Brian has scenes in the movie. Like if you remember, it's such a great film the scene that actually sort of set Rocky off on the idea that maybe he would come back was he goes into the bar and he sees a report on sports center and it's Brian Kenny delivering mm -hmm. the report about Mason, the line Dixon. And that sort of gets the wheels mo you know, in motion. He goes to see Pauly. They get the uh, equipment out of the, out of the, the, you know, the basement or whatever. And, and they set up the, the ring, the, the uh, heavy bag and all that. Uh, so Brian had, uh, you know, some some uh, activity in the film. But as Brian and I joked about after the fact that our scene was probably so bad that it didn't even make the deleted scenes. So that's my uh, that's cutting my room. Your cutting room floor cut for time, maybe not cut for content, cut right. for time. Cut. So you receive no royalties from Rocky Balboa. You don't get a royalty check. None of that happens. I get guts. I get the, the, the joyful memory of uh, being on the set. I get the, I have my, like I said, I have my, my fake movie prop credential. Uh, and, and that's about it. But I have to say though, uh, ha having met Stallone, I had met Stallone one, a couple of times before that, but that was the first time, like, I actually like, I didn't like hang out with him for the day or anything, but we, we, we talked, we were, you know, together for a little while. Sylvester Stallone, is a, he's a boxing fan. Mm -hmm. He's a cool guy. And he's a fan besides just the Rocky stuff. Like he's the type of guy that will get together with people in LA and stuff like that. Like uh, uh, the late great Jeff Wald, who was one of his partners on the old contender show. Jeff died uh, a little less than a year ago, uh, who was the, one of the creators of the contender. Him and Stallone were good friends for many years. They would get together and watch pay-per-view fights and that sort of thing. So Stallone is like a legitimate boxing fan. So I just can say though, I was so happy that 
if I had my own little private personal experience of being in somehow in tiny little microscopic mm-hmm. way of involved in the Rocky franchise, number one, I love that. And number two, I was so happy that Stallone was a cool guy and not a dick. I love that. Uh, and and again, the Rocky stuff is near and dear to me going all the way back to the beginning. You and I are contemporaries uh, for all the movies. Okay. But now we're going to uh, we're going to bring it to one other thing Then we're getting to this Ioka Franco fight, I promise, and break it down a little bit here on the preview mode, because that's what we do. So we have the death of one of the greatest athletes of the last half century or more in Pele. Maybe ever, maybe ever, maybe ever but certainly one of the greatest uh, names ever in sports, in modern sports, Pele, worldwide famous in soccer, uh, Brazilian World Cup. Etc. died at the age of 82 after a long battle with cancer, had been very sick for the last few weeks, died on Thursday as we released the podcast right before the end of 2022. So I start talking to Rayfield, and I did this in a text message before, about Stallone being intertwined with Pele in the 1981 movie Victory. The movie set around World War II and, and around how a bunch of allied prisoners of war decide they're going to play a soccer game And the dream comes that during the war here that the German national soccer team to advance the mindset of Hitler that we're the master race would play against this band of allied imprisoned soccer players as an all-star team. That's the thrust of the movie. And it's Stallone's movie, not unlike the two Rocky movies. He made Rocky II in 1979. He had not yet made Rocky III. He had not made Rambo yet. He made this movie Victory. The movie actually had a couple of titles. It was called Escape to Victory, but it's been shortened to victory. There's a ton of famous 1970s and 80s, early 80s soccer players that are in this movie. They're actually in the movie playing prisoners of war. Pele is in the movie. It's Stallone's movie. Pele choreographed all the soccer. And I'm not believing that I'm sitting here on our final podcast of 2022 and Dan Rayfield has never seen victory, brother. You got to spend the $2 on Netflix, (laughs) you and Mrs. Rayfield, or wait a minute, Mrs. Rayfield is not there with your son. Spend the $2 this weekend on my recommendation and watch Victory. Why does it even cost $2? I have Netflix. Okay, well then whatever. Whatever the $2 charge, waive the $2 charges. Get it on Netflix if you can find it. Victory. Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele. It is tremendous because the whole movie is not just about soccer. It's about World War II. Max von Sydow, tremendous villain for a lot of movies, is the German officer who wants the all-star game to happen. And I'm not revealing a nuclear secret. The plot of the movie is that these guys are going to escape at the soccer match. They're going to play the first part of the match and then they're going to escape. That's the whole movie. All right, now Only- watch the movie. It's tremendous with Pele choreographing all the soccer scenes. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And peeps, I may have I to watch. Check- go ahead, go ahead. I was saying I may have to check that out. But my, when we were kids in the late '70s and early '80s, yeah, here in the United States, nobody knew shit about soccer. The craze so, was coming on though. No, NASL, the craze was coming. Pele, the first time I even knew about soccer. Other than like, you know, you kick the ball as a, you know, as a, as a uh, activity that you do with your friends, that there was like people that played it professionally or at the highest level was when Pele was an older player in his mid thirties. And I was living in upstate New York and he came to the, uh, what was it? The North America, New York cosmos, the NASL. Yes, exactly. So I can still remember, I guess it was a big deal that time. Huge. 
being with like my father and like friends of his at, at my dad's house with other, you know, with his friends, kids and myself. And we watch, I guess they did. They play in the championship that they, they play. Yes. He played some of the time for them yeah. and they did make a championship one so year. Remember, like a big deal. when, yes. when Caleb in the And let me relate it here. I didn't live here at the time, but in Tampa Bay, the Rowdies, the NASL team, they drew regularly 70,000 people to come watch the NASL and Pele played here. And there are people still talking to this day, 40 plus years later about getting to see one of the most famous players in the world play in that soccer uh, venue. And in that soccer match, I'm just saying to you, and I want the peeps to help me out, send Rayfield a message or two. You're hearing us on the podcast that if you've seen Victory, it is worthwhile to see the movie. It is an action drama centered around prisoners of war, World War II, and soccer. And it intertwines because we've been talking Rocky and Stallone and the death of Pele. I am assuring you. You have a 100% TJ guarantee you will not be disappointed. And remember this, when I say to you, slow motion Pele in the soccer match, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right now. When I say to you, slow-mo Pele in the soccer match, you are going to come out of your chair when you see what happens. I'm just sharing it with you. Victory written and directed by Sylvester Stallone with Pele starring in the soccer parts, choreographing all the soccer. You will not be disappointed. Final I plug. I'm I done. don't think it's out of the realm to say that among athletes of, let's say, the 20th century, that there's only one athlete probably worldwide more famous than Pele, and that was Muhammad Ali. You got it. You got it. You could maybe make the argument at the end of the century that Tiger Woods was becoming worldwide famous not, like not them, the, but probably one. not. It's probably Ali and Pele and Ben. Pick yeah. your pick your one or two because again, in Europe, uh, Ali in was South America, one. in North America, uh, wherever they knew Pele, just like Ali. Ali offered Ali number one is not up for debate. He just it's just not up for debate. You well, can we're put, boxing guys and the and the <laughs> non-boxing people, but, but I, I agree. You could put Muhammad Ali in any city in the entire world, practically from Siberia, yes. Africa to Asia to Australia, yes. wherever, and people would know him. I mean, and, and actually, at the end of the 20th century, maybe not at the level of Ali or Pele, but probably not that far behind was Mike Tyson. Right. And you you could go along with Pele though the same way. If Absolutely. Pele was walking into a restaurant in Madrid, Spain, they know who he was. If he's walking into a hotel in Tokyo, Japan, they'd know who he was. If sure. he's in Sydney, Australia, you'd know who he was. So that's the, that's the whole point with that. So now I'm done. There's your homework okay. assignment. You will not be disappointed. You've trusted me for a lot of reasons for a long time. Trust me on this. Victory, right. 1981 movie. Stallone, Pele. Michael Caine, Max von Sydow. You won't be disappointed. All right. Uh, fight preview time. Let's get into it. Uh, unified junior bantamweight title fight. Ioka of Japan has one of the belts. Franco of the United States has another one of the belts. Dan Rayfield, get into the preview. This is Saturday morning, early U.S. time, uh, Saturday night, prime time. It is our final championship fight of the year. Give me a little more on this. Well, I mean, uh, Maloney, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Franco is best known for the three fights he had with Andrew Maloney that took place three consecutive fights in 2020 with a um, a victory by Franco by decision. Then they had the very controversial rematch where it was ruled a no contest uh, with the uh, headbutt that no one has ever seen still on video. <laughs> right. And then had the third fight where 
This time, Franco won a competitive fight, but clearly was the winner. So he was the WBA champion. Um, he is, uh, by the way, for those who are not aware, he is the older brother of uh, of uh, Bam Rodriguez and uh, from San Antonio as well. He had been for a long time with Golden Boy Promotions. They had uh, a falling out. He was uh, released from his contract. He didn't have a promoter. They were looking for something to do. And uh, his manager, Rick Marigian, who also manages uh, fighters like Jose Ramirez and also is involved with uh, Jose Zapata, in any event, was able to work this deal out where he got a chance to have this unification fight in Japan. Because for for uh, Franco, you know, it's been a long time. He hasn't fought since August of 2021, the last time he, he boxed was the third fight against uh, Andrew Maloney. So he's been off for quite a while. Uh, and he's obviously going to be the underdog. He's going over to uh, fight in Ioka's home area in Japan. Uh, he is 18-1-2 with eight knockouts. He's been stopped one time. Uh, in Ioka, uh, you know, he's going to be the big underdog for obvious reasons. Not not only because it's uh, he's on the road and he hasn't fought for a long time. But Ioka's a class fighter. He's like, I don't know if he's there yet. He probably isn't there just yet, but he's not that far away from being like a bonafide Hall of Fame type candidate. He's 29-2, and two, never been stopped. He has won titles in multiple divisions. He was a former unified champion in the strawweight division. He won a title at, a, at the junior flyweight division. He won a title in the flyweight division. He now has a, a chance to unify his title with uh, Franco's title in the junior bantamweight division. He's a really excellent fighter. Um, and I'd say that, that uh, Franco has a really tough uphill battle in this fight. Uh, uh, Ioka has been more active. Um, not like wildly active, but he did fight in July of this year. He had an, uh, a revenge for a previous decision loss against Donnie Nietis, the uh, excellent fighter for many years from the Philippines. Um, and uh, but as title fights go, it's a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting fight. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The only disappointment, TJ, is that there is no, uh, there's no ESPN Plus for this fight. There's no DAZN for this fight. We are so spoiled now that we get virtually every single fight of consequence that are you know world title type fights that are on somewhere right. whether it's on it, it could be on DAZN it could be on ESPN plus a lot of these types of fights wind up on on fight uh on the fight app so we have access to so many of these matches this is like one of the rare fights over the last couple of years that's a really top level fight uh from overseas that we do not have any kind of legal stream uh, or Does broadcast. it surprise you that somebody didn't pick it yeah. up, or do you think it just cost too much? What are you hearing? Did they well, want I, too much for the rights fee, or what? Look, I think in terms of top rank, uh, they decided uh, for whatever reason that either they had exhausted their budget already for the year, and the audience on a New Year's Eve for that type of fight at the middle of the morning wouldn't be worth the investments. I get that. Um, you know, they have to make those tough decisions. They're not involved with either fighter. Um, the zone you know, has it's, you know, they've picked up a few type things that are not necessarily with golden boy or with uh, matchroom, but I guess they decided that didn't make sense for them. But I actually thought that it would find a way onto the fight app where it would be available, you know, and, and when I say on the fight app, that type of fight, you know, might've been like a nine ninety nine pay-per-view type of thing. And that would be worth it. I would definitely, I would definitely do that for that type of fight. But maybe but, they have the same mentality. Who's up at that hour on a Saturday morning to well, make it see, worth the, your while. They, the thing about fight is that they don't, they're not spending, if the zone or ESPN plus put the fight on, they're spending resources as a license fee to buy the rights to the fight for the fight app. You know, it's like a revenue share. Like they put it in their pipes, so to speak. It's a pay-per-view and they share whatever they generate. Well, why? So, I mean, so to me, 
why would the promoter in Japan, why would the broadcaster in Japan not do that deal if they have nothing else, even at the 11th hour to make something? Uh Because you got to figure there's some Franco fans, some fight fans that would want to see it in your revenue share. And maybe at the 11th hour, there's going to be a deal later Friday. We don't know that as we release the podcast. But to me, with what you just explained, why would they not do that when it's a prominent American fighter as as opposed to no way to see it at all in the United States? I I don't get that. For, for us boxing schnorers, we, we know Franco, but I, I I would not say that Franco, it's not a knock on him, but he's not a prominent fighter. But he's fight, he's fought enough times on ESPN or ESPN Plus where you know his name. I'm so, just saying. he's got a title. I just don't have an answer. I just know that this is one of the rare uh, quality world title matches in a, quite a while that is taking place uh, overseas outside the United States and is not going to be available in any uh, legitimate outlet. And so... It's the wild, wild west. Let's go back to what we did the last few years. Let's find a stream on Facebook. Let's find a stream on Twitter. Let's find a, I don't know. What's the other thing called? The Periscope? I mean, find your... Somebody. Is your somebody buddy in Coke, gotta, hold up the Periscope and show you the fight? I don't know. Somebody's got to have something somewhere uh, to be able to find this. And I saw this, that on the BetUS show, we'll talk about this Friday, 1 Eastern time, find our BetUS preview show that is back one final time for 2022 this is a fairly even fight on the bet us line my friend where uh ioka is uh plus is actually minus 150 and franco is plus 125 a true 50 50 fight the over under is 10 and a half rounds on the line so that we're gonna have fun discussing this a little bit more on that show and, and what may come of this I- ioka obviously is favored uh not only because of the fact uh, but he's got some punching power and he's at home. Uh, but but the fact that Franco's got to travel there, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah, on this one. We'll talk a, more about it and make I'm a, make a, a wager. That, uh, I'm a little surprised that it's that close in terms of the odds because even though Franco uh, has looked pretty good in his recent fights, at least in the last fight against Maloney, he's much younger than Ioka, who's 33 years old. Ioka, again, not a knock on Franco. He's just shown himself over the over the long haul in various weight classes, having fought, you know, lots of quality names. If you're familiar with the guys in the smaller weight divisions, he has beaten the likes of Donnie Nietes, who's a borderline Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He beat Rodriguez Jr. He beat Kosi Tanaka. He has a good win against Javier Cintron. He beat Aston Palikde. Uh, he avenged the loss to a previous loss to Nietes. He has the victory against McWilliams Arroyo. I mean, he's beaten uh, Juan Carlos Riveco. I mean, he's got for though he's beat him twice, as a matter of fact. For the guys in those smaller divisions, he's got a lot of quality wins. He beat Felix Alvarado, who went on to become a world champion, and when Alvarado was undefeated. So uh, the as the guy that I've always referred to as the Japanese gaddy, one of my favorite fighters in terms of Asians, is uh, Akira Yageshi, who's won titles in multiple weight classes, have been in some of the greatest action fights in Japanese history. Uh, I'm making the point that Ioka has a long and decorated resume in various weight classes, having won various titles. And Franco, although younger, coming off a huge layoff and uh, a good win against Maloney, but it's not like he's ever really faced anybody else. He's not have the track record at all compared to his opponent. But uh, hopefully we get a good fight. Hopefully, uh, I don't know, I can if somebody finds it, man, send me the stream link on my We'll Twitter look for link. it. We'll look for it and see what we can figure out on that. Uh, and again, the last three 
Ioka title defenses have all gone the route for whatever it's worth. They've all gone the 12 rounds. Let's see what happens in that. We got to go here in just a minute. By the way, uh, Dan, you've been rolling out your fighter of the year, your knockout of the year for this weekend on your Substack for the paid subscribers. Not a nuclear secret. You put out there Dimitri Bivol as your fighter of the year for beating Canelo, for beating uh, Zerto Ramirez in the light heavyweight title fights uh, that he had. You have the Lee Wood knockout of Michael Conlon in that featherweight title fight earlier this year as your knockout of the year. And there's some debate about what would be the knockout of the year. They'll also find your fighter of the year. You're going to do like manager or trainer of the year as well. well the, we I did the fighter there. I will do the fight of the year. Fight of the year. Manager and trainer all coming this weekend. They need to read you, right? So, but more, the, some of the other ones will be all together, but the big ones are the fighter of the year, which I did, the knockout of the year, which I did already. Coming up will be the fight of the year, and then my personal favorite thing is the prospect of the year, which is a very tough one. Uh, and then some of the other stuff, like you mentioned, I'll have the women's fighter of the year, the women's fight of the year, the manager of the year. We know what the women's fight of the year is. We know yes, what's coming on that. We know that. Uh, it was a great fight. But what um, did you mean? You're always asking me questions. What did you I mean, Lee Wood, I mean, there were some great knockouts this year, like the Caleb Plant versus uh, Anthony Durrell fight was a spectacular yes. after such Tyson a Tyson Fury, you know, the big uppercut on Dillian White. But, That's got to be in the conversation. I didn't include that in the conversation. Um, I'm he just wasn't, saying. He wasn't out cold. Correct me if I'm wrong, about 30 seconds ago, you asked me my opinion. I said that's got to be in the conversation. That's oh, my I'm opinion. I'm saying my, in my story, you can put in your conversation. I didn't have them in mind. That's fine. Right. What I was going to ask you is, to me uh, – when you make a big comeback after having been knocked down and you're trailing on the cards, obviously, and you're in your hometown and the crowd's going absolutely crazy and you're behind and you're making a comeback, making a comeback, making a comeback. And not only do you retain your title by a knockout in the final minute of the minute, 90 seconds of the fight, but you actually physically eject your opponent, Michael Collin from the ring. He goes out of the ring and you win by knockout. And it's that kind of drama. And a spectacular knockout. I just don't see how you could have anything other than that as the knockout of the year. You make that a strong case. I like all of that. Are we good? I think we're good. I think that's it. I think it's Happy New Year's. We covered a bunch. We covered the Javante Davis controversy. And again, you may have more news, and Dan may be writing this, and we may, may be writing it on BigFightWeekend.com as the weekend goes on, that there's a change. Right now, as we release the podcast, the Davis pay-per-view, the main event for the pay-per-view is still on. He's still involved. Stay tuned. Let's see what happens as we get into next week and next weekend, and that's supposed to happen in Washington, D.C. But we covered it all. We even got Stallone and Pele involved. We got Ioka and Franco Saturday morning from Japan, we got to, Saturday night, U.S. time. We got to take a big shit on Southwest. Yes, we absolutely did, and they deserve it at this point. I'll say again, $7 billion of our tax money and cannot figure it out. Uh, and the U.S. government could absolutely start to recoup some of that by fining them for yes, what sir. they have done. We're just saying, uh, my friend, Happy New Year. I appreciate it. Feel free to stay in touch with me after you've watched Victory with Stallone and Pele this weekend. Get in touch with me. Listen, it, I don't watch that many movies, but I have to I'm, tell you, I have to tell you, I actually, by accident, realized on Epics, they just premiered the Top Gun Maverick movie, which I did not see. You got to see it. Original. No, but listen, I watched it last night. And? Fucking awesome. Absolutely okay. loved it. It's phenomenal. So, the continuation well, we is phenomenal. Of, we, are, we are of the 80s, so we. I remember seeing the original Top Gun in the movie theaters as a teenager and absolutely loved it. And the sequel, it lived up to everything I could have hoped for. 
We don't want to say that my man Ray feels behind the times, but where you been? That's been out since this summer. I'm glad that you're I, back on board. I, I and now it. and now you're 40 years late on victory, and I want you to get there because you will love this. It's not dis- It's not going to disappoint. I guarantee. I guarantee. Just watch it, and we'll, and, and we'll get the feedback. Have a happy new year, my friend. We'll be reading you on your Substack, bigfightweekend.com. We'll recap everything off the weekend on the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Thank you, Dan Rayfield. And happy new year to you and to all of the uh, Fight Freaks Unite recap and uh, Big Fight Weekend preview podcast listeners. And we love all of that. Thank you, folks, for, uh, for out, uh, throughout 2022 and for always being with us. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And we appreciate you being aboard on the Big Fight Weekend preview.